Welcome to Sermons by Brad Tuttle. We are so glad you decided to join us today. We know you're going to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged by this powerful sermon. So first things first, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. I wrote a couple kind of introduction things. Uh, It's amazing how people will reorient their day and their time to fit in their favorite game. Um, The effort that people will go through to watch a three-hour game. Um... That could go either way, but they're unwilling to put God first, uh, who's always on the winning team. So, it's first things first. We are to love God. Write it down. We are to love God first. And God puts a big deal on how He's positioned in our lives. Please note that. He, it's a big deal to Him how we have Him positioned in our lives. And we definitely, as all of you know, can come to church and not have God first, right? We can sometimes do a religious thing, and it's good to be in, we we need to be in the house of God, but God wants us to put Him first in every single thing we do. And unfortunately, many times it's if I happen to get around to Him, and He's not first on our list, first things first. He requires first. He doesn't ask to be first. God actually requires us to make Him first. And if you really think about it, it seems like an obvious sermon to preach, but I think it's one of the most baseline, foundational things that we can be taught and be reintroduced to is that we are supposed to put God first in everything that we do. I'm going to read verse 33 before we start in verse 25, because verse 33 is going to set the course for 25 on to 32. So verse 33 says, but seek what? First. His kingdom. So let's sit here for a few minutes. We're being told to put His kingdom in the right place. Putting God's kingdom in our lives in the first place. Somebody say amen to that. The Greek word for kingdom is basilia. It means rule or authority, or in other words, where God reigns. So we seek His kingdom first, where He reigns, where He rules. Not the world's kingdom, not the earthly kingdom, the fleshly kingdom, the carnal kingdom. We seek God's kingdom first where he rules, where he reigns. Remember when you were in school, we did the Pledge of Allegiance. What did you pledge allegiance to? The United States of America. God's asking us to pledge allegiance to his kingdom. He is first. Operating by his rules and operating by his laws. He's asking us to pledge allegiance to the kingdom of which he is the king. Amen? So we need to put him first. We should be willing to say, I'm willing to function under your rule and your authority, and I'm willing to do it first. Seeking first his kingdom, and that kingdom within that God rules and reigns over. So when we seek God's kingdom first, hear this, it's meaning we're, we're letting God rule over our life. And can I say, we're letting God rule over every area of our life. And that even means our money. That even means our marriage. That even means our parenting. That even means 
our jobs. That even means how we function out in the world. We let God rule over everything in our lives. Hopefully, because I let God rule over my life enough, it made a difference to that guy to ask me questions about what it means to be a believer. And uh, something that many of us don't do, we go to everybody else and ask their opinion before we go to God first. We're supposed to live within His kingdom under His rule and reign, which means we go to Him first on all things. We get His perspective first on all things. I don't go to other people. I don't go to a counselor. Unless that counselor is going to dispense me biblical counseling, I go to God first and get God's word and thought and direction on that first and foremost. Amen? I'm not trying to see what everybody else thinks I should do. Uh, Most of what people want God to do in their lives actually is to take care of their mess. Because people don't put God first, lives are a mess. Are lives a mess in the church? Lives are a mess in the church. Because we don't put God first, we don't live within God's rule and reign within his kingdom, our lives get into a mess. Can anybody say amen to that? Um, We take care of, uh, we, we ask him to take care of the problems that we have caused. Because we have not lived God first. First things first. We've ruled ourselves, and now we need God to fix it up. Seems like a lot of times that's the only time we go to God. God, fix up my mess that I should not have been in here in the first place had I let you rule and reign, had I not come to you for decisions first. What's the answer to this, God? Should I do this? Should I not do this? And because we live according to our own rules and try to rule ourselves, we make decisions that get us in a world of hurt. Can somebody say amen to that? Somebody say that's good preaching. When we came to Christ, we were transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, under which God rules and reigns. And he's not, opening to, he's not open to competing uh, perspectives. It's his way. It's his way or the wrong highway. And uh, we need to live according to his way, seeking first his kingdom. To seek something is to go looking for it, to locate where it is. He's saying, I want you to go after my rule in your life. I want you to pursue, locate my perspective. We spend hours on Google trying to find which way we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do, and the answer is to everything about life. We need to start Googling God first um, and find out what he has to say on the subject of, have you ever gotten yourself in a world of hurt because you spent money on things you shouldn't have spent money on? I know nobody in here is in debt. Or you've ever had any debt. Why do we get in debt? Because we make bad financial decisions that we should have asked God first. Can somebody say amen? I'm not even going to get into some of the other subjects. I don't want to make everybody feel bad this morning. But um, there's a lot of things we just don't make the right decisions on that get us into a world of hurt because we didn't seek God first. We think we... So I think sometimes people think, well, I thought I did, but we really didn't. We kind of went off of our emotions, our desires, our wants which now get us into a world, a, a world that is causing things to be a little dysfunctional. We need to get it back and make God first. Can somebody say amen to that? Uh, seek his rule, his reign, his perspective on the front end. When I watched the Olympics lately, and they've been watching the Olympics, pretty amazing stuff. Um, they play the national anthem. I stand. I don't play my anthem. They play the, the anthem of the nation to which I represent. 
Um, you're the champion athlete. You represent something bigger than you are. Well, God wants us to understand we represent something bigger than we are. And he is uh, the one that we are supposed to, uh, seeking his rule, his perspective on everything, lining ourselves up first under his rule and authority. And I know when I look back on my life, um, there's a lot of things I wish I would have done differently in some decision areas. I needed to go to God first. Amen. We get moved by emotion and feeling. And uh, we think we know what we need. And God's just saying, hey, man, you're living in my kingdom. Let me rule over this and reign over this. And the problem is some people don't want anybody to rule over anything in their life. And we have a lot of problem in the body of Christ, especially with men who don't really want to step up and be men because they don't want anyone to rule them. They don't even want another man preaching, uh, let God reign and rule in your life. I've seen men get really offended at things like that because men don't want to answer to anybody. You better be answering to God, amen? And you better be going to God first. A real man is a man that submits his life completely to the direction and leading of God. That's what being a real man is. And... uh, um, God is saying, I'm not consulted on money, parenting, business, marriage first. Again, the only time you really seek me is to fix up your mess. So we need to make sure that God is sought. That's why I told the young man I was standing next to, I said, one of the main things you need to begin to do is pray every day. I said, I don't care if you spend 15 minutes in the morning. It doesn't have to be a designated hour. Maybe you'll work up to that. Remember, Jesus said, could you not tarry one hour with me? Not that hour is the the, uh, ultimate amount of time, but he was asking people to, to hang with him, to pray with him, to spend time with him. And I was telling him, you've got you to gotta go to God first. He said, you've got to seek God's perspective on all this. And we live our entire lives for months at a time and never spend time with God, never seek God's perspective on life, never go to God first. We're so busy in life. We get up in the morning and our life takes, up, takes over and everything we do takes over and we just don't take the time to spend with the one that has all the answers that created the very thing and the atmosphere that we live in. He has all the answers to everything in our life. And I'm preaching to the choir. He wants to have a relationship with us where he's on the front end. And he needs to be ruling and reigning over everything in your life. For any business people in here, ruling and reigning over your business. Amen? Ruling and reigning over your marriage. Ruling and reigning over your home. Um. Seeking first his kingdom. He tells you another thing in relation to his kingdom in verse 33, but seek his kingdom first and, here's a tough one, and his righteousness. Righteousness. Righteousness being the standard that God has established by which his people are made acceptable to him. Thinking about this this morning, we get saved. What happens to us? It's dialogue time now. We get saved. What happens to us? We get made brand new. We get the the J word. We get justified. And then in our justification, we are made right before God. We're made, we are are now, it's an amazing thing that God takes a rotten sinner, and believe me, all of us are born rotten sinners until Christ comes into our life. We're justified, we're saved, and now we're standing right before God, an almighty, holy God. Um. So if we get saved and we get robed in righteousness, why in the world while we're robed in righteousness do we still want to play in the pig pen of sin? And 
I'm not, you know, somebody's going to go, oh, man, you don't preach that. You know, God forgives, and God, I know God forgives. I know God's a God, oh, God's a God of grace. I know God's a God of grace. There's nobody in this room or in the body of Christ that understands grace any more than I do because I knew who I used to be, and I know the amazing grace that saved me. But he's looking, there's a standard here. It seems like we're living in a day and age in a church where there is no standard. Our standard is our standard. And we, we want to sing about a holy God, but, you know, or King of kings and Lord of lords, but we, we want to live a way that we want to live. Um, I try to get myself not even preach on things like this before, because I'm tired of making people mad. But it's like you got to live a certain way. I don't understand that... You know, there's a standard here. We're supposed to seek what is rightly his standard, not the standard of society. Um, I heard Tony Evans do an illustrated sermon about how people will lower the basketball rim so they can now dunk. Um, They kind of lower the standard. We don't want to, in the body of Christ, to lower the basketball rim so that we can now dunk in what the world considers its standard. Um, His is a 10-foot rim. And, and, you know, some can get there easier than others, or whatever, that doesn't matter. Um, so righteous living is the way you live underneath his rulership. So we're supposed to live within his kingdom according to his righteousness, seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness, seeking what he declares to be the right way to act and the right way to live. Again, that young man was asking me questions because God forbid, I mean, it's just like I was standing there going, my goodness, I'm so glad I act right. He was asking me questions because he saw something that was different. And I don't go and I don't try to act like, hey, you shouldn't do that or and we're sitting, you know, this and that. I don't, I don't play that game. I just live my life because I know whatever. And, but he allowed that. That opened up a door to him because he saw a standard, I believe, um, that may have been different than others who said they went to church, but that standard wasn't the same. Can somebody say amen to that? There's a standard here, and I've always preached that, and um, we're living in a day where decency is being dumbed down, and uh, we're dumbing down the standard of what's right in the name of political correctness, and what we never would have said was okay years ago, we say it's okay now. We've even changed some of the names to make it a little bit more acceptable. When we go along with dumbing down we're voting for the world's standard of righteousness over God's standard of righteousness. And if I can... This was your last day here, and you go somewhere else. Just know this. There is a standard. There's a standard, there's a way to live within God's kingdom. And I think we all need to check ourselves. Remember, when I preach to you, I preach to me. We all need to continually check ourselves. God is a God of great grace, yes. And God is a God that... that forgives us of our sins when we make mistakes, but we're just there's a there's a way we're supposed to live. Does that make sense? There's a way we're supposed to live within God's kingdom. Um, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, His standard, not society's standards. And I, I want to make a note here and be very honest. This may or may not bring the crowd in. Um, the crowd sometimes doesn't want to run to the line in the sand that's been drawn, that there's a standard by which we're supposed to live. And doesn't it make sense that people in the day and age we live in would not want to hear something coming into their ears that's going to challenge them to live a certain way? 
And no wonder our children are the way they are when they see their parents going to church and living the way they live now when they go back home. And kids are thinking, well, I guess there is no standard here. I can still be, call myself a believer and not have to live any certain way. There is a way to live. Can somebody say amen to that? Somebody look at me and be, smile, say yes. There's a way I need to live like that. Um, God's being marginalized today. And you don't get the applause for doing according to his standard of righteousness. Look at the whole Billy Graham aspect. Um, I don't know if the day and age of a Billy Graham is gone. I mean, you know, Billy Graham preached. He didn't, I'm not saying he preached hellfire and brimstone, but Billy Graham preached God's grace, but he preached you've got to be born again. Jesus Christ is the only way. Um, untold thousands would come and listen to that message. Nowadays, people are like, hey, there's many ways. And it's being... Right? There's many ways, there's many ways, but uh, it's a different day that we live in, and doesn't it seem like it would be going that way? Um, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Now, what's the payoff for this? This is, okay, should I do this or should I not do this? Should I live according to God's standard? Oh, it's, it's so hard. Is it really? Is it really that hard to live a, the way God wants us to live according to his word? Um, is it really? But... It, even if it's hard, is there a payoff on this? <clears throat> if we give, does God give back to us? It's a principle. I don't give. I don't put money in the offering plate because I'm thinking, hey, man, I'm, it's coming in. I don't, I don't go, money come. Um, I give because I love the Lord. But there's a principle there that when we give, what's he do? He provides your needs. Well, it's connected here the same way. Seek God's kingdom first. Seek his righteousness first. Put me first and all the stuff second. And he says, and all these things, at the end of verse 33, will be at, and verse 34, all these things will be added to you. So we're going to talk about what things. Well, all the things listed in verses 25 through 31. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Y'all know this sermon. Y'all know this message by heart. We've got to be reintroduced and reminded of it. We all have needs. Can somebody say, I got some needs? <laughs> I got some needs. You got some needs right now, right? I, I have needs. You have needs. But listen, look at, I'm going to make, make a point to you. Three times in what, we're, what we're, we're looking at in verses 25 through 34, we see this phrase. Verse 25 says, whatever your version is, it says something like this, do not be worried. Verse 31 says, do not worry. And verse 34 says, do not worry. So then what's the antidote to worry? The antidote to worry is repositioning God and putting him where he's supposed to be. You want to live a life where you're not worrying? Put God first. Let God rule and reign in your life over everything. And y'all folks, you don't have to worry about anything. Listen, trials come, tough times come, but if God is first, will trials come even if you explicitly put God first in everything? Yes, but you don't have to worry about it because you got him in the right position. The problem is, is when he's not in the right position, concern turns to worry. Concern is worry is like concern on steroids. It goes out of concerned about something, but it turns into worry, and worry is what controls you. Worry is what tells you you're not going to sleep tonight. Worry is what tells you you're going to have a headache. Worry is what tells you and affects your life. Worry rules us. And what God does not want him, to, what God does not want in our life is for worry to control us. 
He's trying to tell all of us, my antidote to worry in your lives is to put me first. Can we live a worry-free life? That's a dialogue right there. You can give your opinion. Can we really live a worry-free life? We can. We can tap into a worry-free life. Has anybody ever lived? Have y'all lived in the last week without worry? Okay, Rodney did. And Donna did. Okay, praise God to you. But we can. Don't worry. Be happy. We just have an opportunity as children of God. Man, what a, talk about one great benefit of being a kingdom child is that we don't have to worry if we put God first. Jason and Angela, Down syndrome baby with leukemia. Do they have to worry about anything if they really position God in the right place? God's over. Amen. Amen. Worry. We don't want worry to dictate our well-being. He says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry when I have been repositioned, when you put God first. Anybody get anything out of this? Seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And here's some of God's illustrations in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow. They don't reap. Nor do they gather into barns and or bird bank accounts. And yet, somebody say yet. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. I doubt if birds get ulcers worrying about food. God knows they need food. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Birds seek worms and God makes them findable. They don't have to worry about, I see them in the backyard. I see them, they do not have to worry about their food. God takes care of them. And if he's going to take care of that little bird, child of God, how much more does he care about you? Why do we worry? Why do we get so concerned? Verse 28. Why are you worried about clothing? Observe. The Greek word means examine carefully. Examine carefully how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil. The Greek word means grow weary or get burdened down. You ever been burdened down or worried or growing weary over things? Nor do they spin. They don't concern themselves with being clothed. Verse 29, Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. With his billions of dollars, Solomon was never dressed like a lily. Why do we worry about clothes? And Then he hits us with verse 30. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. Little faith meaning not that you have no faith, but you have little or immature faith. He's talking to us. Let your faith grow. When we start worrying about things, how, okay, we re, the whole key to this when you leave here today is, first things first, we position God first in everything we do. So whatever decision you start making from today on, as a single person, as a married couple, a business person, your decisions have now have to be lined up underneath what God wants you to do, underneath God's rule and God's reign. Now we've repositioned God into the place he needs to be. So now he's saying to us, 
Get out of your little faith mentality. Get out of your immature faith mentality and begin to walk as a man or woman of God in the faith that you can have when you know, when you, when you have me where I need to be and now there, there, there needs to be absolutely no worry in your life about what's going to happen or what's going to go on. Um, verse 31 says, Do not worry then, saying, What will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? He says in verse 32, For the Gentiles or the non-Christians eagerly seek all these things. They put a lot of effort into getting stuff. We're going to make it happen. That's what the non-believer does. They get stressed out trying to make it happen so they can have stuff. Verse 32 continues, For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And guess what about God, y'all? He does not have an insufficiency problem. God has enough to make sure that all of you have everything that you have need of. As long as we put him first, he's saying, I don't want you to lose sleep over this. I guarantee you there's probably people right now um, You think Dolly worries about where her food's coming from? Or she just, it's, it's done. And there's probably people overseas right now that don't have anything close to what you have. They probably don't have a car. They don't have nice shoes. They don't have air conditioning. They live in, out in the elements or whatever. I care. There's people over there right now who have God in the right position that aren't worrying about any of it. And we who have everything worry all the time. We shouldn't even be worrying over your children. I know we live in this kind of crazy time we live in, but put God first. Position God in the right position. Put him in the right place. And don't have to worry about it. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to take a drug to give us peace, right? Calm our anxiety. Because we just don't worry. We're able to walk through life strengthened and strong because God's in the right position. We don't worry ourselves. We don't lose sleep. I've lost sleep over things before. I don't do that anymore. I sleep good because I don't, I don't have to worry about it. I know I, I put God in the right place. Let me say amen to that. So what I want you to do, he's saying, is seek my rule and my reign first, my righteousness first, and I got it from here. Put him in the right place. Let your heavenly Father lead you. Our closing verse, verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. And this is for all you worriers out there. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And God never condemns planning. Anybody, any, we have any planners in here? Um, over and over in the scriptures, he, 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 uh, he encourages planning. And planning is connected to goals and objectives. For the future. But the Bible does condemn worrying about tomorrow. As long as we're living on the earth, guess what? We have to deal with tomorrow. There's always going to be a tomorrow. Today is the tomorrow you're worried about yesterday. We're not supposed to worry about tomorrow. If we're worried about tomorrow, we'll always be worried because you'll never run out of tomorrows while you're on this earth. God doesn't want us to worry about tomorrow. We lose sleep over tomorrow. We're trying to learn, I can't do anything about tomorrow. You can't do anything about what's... We just got to put God first and pray and seek His face and let go of the worry. Let go of all the what's going to happen if this goes. What's going to happen if I ran? What's going to happen if this? 
let it go, man, and let God be who God is and put him in the right place in your life. Pray over those things, but don't worry about them because there's nothing you can do about it. Tomorrow's going to take care of itself. God says to us, don't worry about tomorrow because when you get there, I've already been there. He's already been in our tomorrow. He already knows what's coming, and we worry about, oh, God, what am I going to do? He's going, what are you doing? What are you doing? Put me in the right position and let me lead this thing. I got it from here. Calm down. I guarantee you we're going to get to heaven. There's anything we're going to think about I wish I wouldn't have done so much of. It's going to be watch TV for a lot of people. Somebody say amen. And worry. Why did I worry so much? When you see God, when you get to heaven, Billy Graham's probably thinking, why did I worry about anything? Because when you leave this world and the gravity pushing down on your body and crippling everybody all up and making you look in the mirror sometimes and go, Whoo! it's like when we get to heaven, all that's going to be gone. And I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. Hallelujah. Jesus. Don't worry about tomorrow because he says, I'm the one who holds your tomorrow. Just put me in the right position. He's in charge. He's infinite. So what are we worried about? Our tomorrow's no big deal for God. He's already there. It's already been worked out for our lives, so don't worry about it. A man was, looked like he was going to miss his flight. He bumps into a man with a pilot's uniform on. And he says, sorry, sir, I'm rushing to catch my flight. Which flight, the man asks. And so he tells the man which flight to which the man in the uniform says, slow down. Relax. Don't be anxious about missing it because I'm the pilot of that flight. So you're rushing around worried about something that can't happen because that plane isn't going anywhere until I get there. So chill out. Now that he realized that was the guy in charge, he could relax. They walked together. They talked together because the flight wasn't leaving without the pilot and he was connected to the pilot. Quit worrying. Get out of the pilot's chair and let God fly your plane. You're not even the co-pilot, man. Just sit in the back in first class and let him take care of your needs and sit back there and stretch out in that chair and relax and let God do it. Let God have it from here. If you don't get something out of this and you go home tonight and you, you don't let God be the pilot, the ruler, the standard of righteous. So you can relax. You're, you've wasted your time today. Because the moment you walk out that front door, the enemy's going to try to jump on you in your head and try to get you to worry about something in your life or something with your kids or something in your marriage or something in your money. Something about your business. Wipe the sweat from your forehead because God has it under control. Just put me first, seek my kingdom first, seek my righteousness first, reposition me, and all your rushing around and worry is all done. I know people that make a living out of worrying. That cannot be us. We cannot be people who worry. God's saying, I know all the things you need. I know, I know you need food. I got that covered. I know you need shelter. I got that covered. I know you need clothing. I got that covered. And all the other things we have need of. He's saying, I've already been there. That's already been taken care of because you let first things be first.
Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today in Jesus' name, and uh, we are so grateful, God, to, to be able to look and to know that, God, you're in charge of everything in our lives today in Jesus' name. Um, I, I stand here, God, just knowing that uh, um, that it is well. I just ask each one of you, just go before the Lord right now and just give him your, your worries. If you've been worried about something, go before him. And you know what? Ask him to forgive you. Say, Father, forgive me. I've not had you where you need to be. I've not positioned you as the first in my life. I've not positioned, <coughs> I'm not, I've not positioned you according to your rule and reign in my life. Go to him right now and, and ask him to Give him the rule in your life. Let him be the pilot. Go to him right now and talk to him like only you can. I can't pray for you. You pray. You talk to him right now. God's just trying to tell you, hey, man, it's well. Just put me in the right place. I'm not just here to fix up your mess. I'm here to keep you from getting in those messes. So y'all talk to him right now. Open up your mouth. Quietly speak to him. And spend a few moments as I let this song play. Just spend a few moments. Thank you for joining us at Sermons by Brad Tuttle. We pray this sermon blessed you, encouraged you, inspired you, and challenged you in your walk with Christ. Thank you for being with us, and come back and visit us anytime. God bless you.